0: to everybody. I just wanted to share, you know, Greg was speaking about the goodness of God, and I wanted to share about my dad, just a few minutes. You know, in, in December last year, he was diagnosed with a tumor on the brain. To cut a long story short, they couldn't do anything about it, but he ended up in Twilonga in the care center. The amazing thing is that we were here I mean, I've been out, this will be the third time I've been out, and God has made a way for us to come three times, me to come three times from America during that time. That number is incredibly significant. On Friday, when he passed away, it was, I cannot explain it, but it was a holy moment. There is no other word I can describe. We had been, for for days, we had been sitting there praising and worshiping and reading the word and praising and worshiping. That's basically what we did. So on Friday, um, we were there doing the same thing, and the presence of God was so tangible. And I felt to pop down. I just actually felt that Barbara needed a bit of space. His wife just needed a bit of space with him on her own. I had a quick cup of tea. Came up on my way. She phoned. She said, "I said I'm here." And I walked in the door. And when I left, he was very pale. When I came back, he was ashen. So we knew he was about to pass. And we went there, and again we continued to praise and worship, and he passed so peacefully. There were three significant things. The doctors had said towards the end he would have severe seizures, he would have terrible headaches, and there's a possibility that he would die choking to death. I kept asking if he's had seizures. Everybody said, no. I said to my doctor, my doctor back in America said, has your dad had seizures yet? I said, no. She said, oh, he is having them. So I said, no, nobody said a thing. She said, then he's having very minor seizures on a regular basis that are not affecting him. I knew that because there were times when he was really tired and times when he wasn't. That's a result of a seizure. So he was having them, they were not affecting him. He never complained of a headache not once, didn't indicate any sign of that. When he passed away, he simply breathed his last breath. And the presence of God invaded us. The goodness of God is phenomenal. That man lived, he lived, and fulfilled his calling. Uh, And today, he's been honored by Jesus. Thank you.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Privilege to be here. It really is. And I just want to thank Greg and Sue and the leaders for just really just opening the door for us to come. We love coming. We love this place. We love South Africa. We honestly do. Um, I was wonderful to be part of the prayer for this amazing nation. You guys have an advantage over the nation that I living in America because everybody relies on the government here in America. where well, you guys do not do that. You rely on your savior it's a big trust me it's a huge thing so but it's a privilege to be here it really is a privilege to be here so and in death we have victory yeah Yeah. it's just a pass through it's just a, a door that opens into a greater realm of glory with the lord but that's what we have in christ jesus and uh so the real purpose because god sent his son to us so everything we receive from the lord Everything from the day we get saved to the day He takes us to be with Him for eternity, we keep receiving. We receive, receive. You can never earn it. We can never force Him. We can never twist His arm. Because He loves, He gives. Because He loves, He gives. Because He loves, He gives. So you must know He gives out a love all the time, ongoingly. And so God sent His Son to us so we could cultivate that relationship with Him ongoingly while we walk on this earth to live through us. And that's a part I want to touch on this morning, to live through us. I want to talk a little bit about spiritual authority, because it's a big deal. It's a really a big deal, and just understanding how it operates. The purpose of becoming a Christian is not so much to save ourselves from hell and go to heaven, but to become a child of God and allow the Father through the Holy Spirit to form the character of Christ within us, so the splendor of His glory, goodness, can be displayed to a dying world. That's the purpose of Christianity. Amen. Yeah. Philip, it's great to see you, my friend. It really is. And I turned around and I said, oh, there's Philip. And as I looked at you, you remind me of Andrew, uh, Peter's brother. Andrew was the guy that came to Peter and said, we found the Messiah. Let's come. Let me take. And it's like you have an ability to take people to come and come and meet Jesus. Or come and see what he's doing. Or come. And you Amen. continue to do that. I just want to encourage you. Blessings to you, my friend. Blessings to you. So that's the purpose. So in Luke 19:10, Jesus said these words after that great encounter with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the guy up in the tree, if you know the whole story. And he said, Zacchaeus, I've got to stay at your house. He stayed at his house, and obviously he was touched because Zacchaeus responded to the presence of the Lord in his house and said, Today, who those who I'm wronged, you was a very wealthy man. I'll give back all that I've robbed and stolen and taken and pay back four times. You can go read it. And then to, Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. And then he said this in Luke 19 10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. I've done it in the past. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's true, but that's not what he said. I came to seek and save that which was lost. What's the that? that is a number of things but it's three particular things he came to to that is our relationship that was lost in the garden the life that was lost in the garden and our authority that was lost in the garden he came to restore that he came to restore that relationship fellowship because love flows out of this relationship the Bible says Adam and Eve had an unhindered access to the Lord which was cut off due to the fact that they disobeyed the Lord and sin entered the world and their very nature the heart of man got bent and twisted as a result and self was born self was born many people say hatred is the opposite of love no self is the opposite of love Everything's about us, unfortunately. Self was born and they were kicked out of the garden, and this changed man forever. Completely changed him. Also, life was lost, and the life was lost. The Bible says, The Father God said, Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you should not eat, for in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. They died, they lost, they died in their relationship to God the Creator. That's what died. And they did. The devil said, you will surely not die, but they did die. And so in the death, they lost the life and the light of God. In him was life and the light of, and was the light of man. So the light and the life of God was lost. And when we lose life and light, it dictates the way we see things. Yeah. And our perspective changes. And the wisdom that was promised by the devil is a fallen wisdom. It's the wisdom of this world. It's not the wisdom of God. And everything got twisted. And everything got viewed differently because light was lost. And I remember the day I got saved, I said to Michelle, you know, everything looks the same, but it's different. And that's what happened. The light comes back. The life comes back. You with me? But I want to talk a little bit about authority, spiritual authority. But just a couple of comments first about authority. There are very kinds of authority. There's God-ordained authority. Parents have God-ordained authority. Church leaders, the Word of God. Then there's man-ordained authority, the authority of legal documents, functional authority, like doctors, lawyers, teachers, professionals, or skilled workers. They've been given authority to do something. To be in authority, we need to be under authority. But just let me say this. To be submissive is a matter of attitude, while obedience is a matter of conduct. God alone receives unqualified obedience. A delegated authority that issues an order that clearly contradicts God's word will be given submission, but not obedience. In other words, your heart is still honoring them, but you won't obey them because it contradicts what God has said. That's what happened in Acts. They said, we cannot obey you because this is what the Lord has told us to do. But they never spoke badly about them. We often misunderstand authority as something oppressive, hurtful, and troubling, but that's not who God is. Some would also like to have authority from God alone, but God's way of working is to set up indirect or delegated authority for us to obey. Because that's how He works in us and through us. Floyd McClung. How many of you know a man called Floyd McClung? Amazing man. He's been with. He's now been. With, he's now with the Lord. So the real question this is what he wrote. The real question on spiritual authority is not does it exist, but how is it to be exercised? That in a turn depends on how one defines spiritual authority. Jesus made it abundantly clear that what He meant by authority was influencing people through serving. The only right use of spiritual authority is to serve others. Jesus let him who governs be as one who serves. So in a sense, authority is defined as the right to influence others. Jesus went to great lengths to define the meaning of that authority, both in word and deed. But how do we know if we are exercising true spiritual authority in a Christ-like manner? Good question. He said these seven, what he calls, tests may help. Does it restrict or does it liberate? Does it lead to conformity or does it promote creativity? Does it bring dependence on man or on God? Does it produce civility or servanthood or bondage? Does it depend on law or grace? Does it destroy or build up a person's confidence? Does it produce fear or does it equip people to function with confidence in their gifts as the children of God? It's a great way to define authority, really is. So the purpose of all authority is to fulfill the purpose of God on earth, which is to establish the kingdom of God in people's hearts and lives so that peace, joy, righteousness, order, and well-being can be lived and embraced here on this earth. That's the purpose of authority, God-given authority. So, let me explain. I have great respect for the office of the President of the United States. It's a great responsible job, it really is. I have, for that office, I have very great respect. It carries great responsibility and a great, and a great authority with it. Not necessarily for everybody that's in that office, but I have respect for the office, I really do. But unless the President of the United States is born again, you have greater authority than he does. You have authority, God-given authority, which I'm going to explain now what it is, to do things that he cannot do, or she, unless he's a child of God. We have to understand that, because it's spiritual authority, but it has impact into the natural realm as we exercise it in the way that he wants us to exercise it. All authority, flows out of a relationship, all authority. We cannot grasp it. We cannot work for it. We cannot earn it. It's received as a relationship and revelation of who Christ is grows. Authority grows within us because we understand who we are in Christ then. Yeah. Because all authority comes from him. That's where it comes from. So I'm just going through it. So in Genesis 1, so how do we, what is this authority that the Bible talks about that gives born-again believers, and how do we exercise it? Backtrack. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, man was created in the image of God, and Adam was given authority and dominion of all the earth. God says, subdue subdue and rule. But when Adam sinned through deception, he surrendered the God-given authority that had been given to him to rule over the earth, he surrendered it to the evil one, to Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. And he became the ruler of the world. Yeah. He became the prince of this air. Yeah. That's what happened. Jesus even said that. He called him the prince of the air, the ruler of the world. So in Luke chapter 4, Satan offered this authority to Jesus. Yeah. But we know, I think, by, by the grace of God, he didn't accept it but he kept calling him the ruler of the world. So Jesus came to earth as the last Adam to offer himself up for our sin, our sin nature, to restore and redeem man to his former position of authority over Satan in the world. That's what he came. He came to render Satan powerless. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, which is that you can go home and read it. Through the resurrection. He came to deliver captive men free from the dominion of darkness, Colossians 1.13. He rescued you out of darkness and brought you into the king. That's a violent, in a sense, transaction in the spirit. The Bible says in Colossians, he disarmed the principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over them by the cross. Colossians chapter 2. So it's like a billboard was placed in the heavenly realm that we cannot see. It's like when you drive on the highway, you see a billboard. Well, in the spirit realm, there's a billboard that was placed that as Jesus rose from the dead, he took captive the works of the evil one and they followed him in his train of victory and all the spiritual hosts of heaven could see it. And we have authority... To declare that, and exercise the authority here on this earth, what took place in the spirit realm—that's where I'm going. So Jesus was given all authority and power, and a name that was and is and above every name. And what the first Adam surrendered, Jesus regained and restored the authority. He came and took the keys that the evil one took. He took the keys back, and he held the keys. And he says to his church, Yes the keys of the kingdom. Whew, give them to you now. Every born-again believer, yes, the keys of the kingdom. 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 Yeah. That's what he did. So he restored that authority back to those that are born again. And the position of Satan changed. Pre-resurrection, he was the ruler of the world. Post-resurrection, he's the God of this age. It's no longer the ruler. But we've got to enforce that victory. So Satan tries to gain access to you and me through fear and deception. He has, let me say this very carefully. He has no access to your life unless you give it to him. None. None. You have to understand that. He has no access to your life. Accept what you give him. But it comes through intimidation, deception, fear. And imagine what happened with COVID. Our fear just ran rife. And it just shackled God's people, unfortunately. They took a step back, unfortunately. They stopped clearing who they were. That's what happened. Year 2020, when COVID struck in the Hebrew calendar, it's the year of the mouth. And everybody had to do that. That's why it comes through deception. In order to function as kingdom people, we need to understand and exercise this authority. So there's three things that I found. There are probably more, but there's three things that I found how we can exercise this authority. And I have 15 minutes, five minutes on each, to explain this. So, the Bible says in him was life, and the life was the light of men. It was not death, it was life. The light shines in the darkness. Greg said that speaking of the world. The light comes, etc. The light comes to every person who is born in darkness with blinded minds. They have no ability of themselves to see the truth. So how does a person come to see the truth? How does a person come to understand the light that is shining that we're blinded from? through being born again as a child of God. Jesus coined the phrase, you need to be born again. You're born of water and, sp- and flesh, and now you need to be born of the Spirit. John chapter 3. If you want to enter the kingdom and understand the kingdom, you need to be born again. If you want to perceive what's happening in the kingdom, you need to be born again. When you get born again, you become a child of God. That happened to me when I was 33 years old. I lived 33 years on the earth. At 33, God, by His grace, revealed His goodness to me. And I became a child of God. I didn't understand it, like I understand it now, but I became a child. In the Bible, Jesus says in John chapter the Bible says in John chapter one, verse 10, 11 and 12, "To all who received in him, believed in him, he gave the right. That word right means authority. He gave the authority, He gave the right. To become children of God, born of not of natural descent, nor of a man's decision, nor of a human decision, but born of God. In other words, there's nothing of man involved in that process. Nothing of man involved in that process. It wasn't a husband's decision. It wasn't my wife's decision. It wasn't my kid's decision. It wasn't the government's decision. It was God-given. Amen. Become a child of God. You've given the right, the authority to become a child of God. So the first thing that happens is you can have authority, meaning it wasn't of physical birth as in a person obviously already, nor of a human decision, meaning through self-effort or choice, nor of a husband's will, meaning through a choice of some other person, but born of God. So the first thing you have, you and I have, is you have authority to boldly declare i'm a child of god i'm a child of god and one of the biggest tactics of the evil one today is identity people don't know who they are they don't even know if they're male or female (laughs) that's so confusing really that's just the work of the evil one you've got to understand it born a male now i want to be a female so just there's no identity it's like the evil ones really try to rob people's identity but God says no you're my child boldly declare that you're forgiven you're redeemed you're accepted you're washed forever Amen. you're my child yeah. I've established you you can boldly declare that yeah. every day of your life yeah and it's not dependent on your condition, on how you feel. It's dependent on who you are in Christ and what He says, not what I say. Yeah. So you can mess up on a Friday, and Saturday you can still stand up and say, I'm a child of God! Yeah. That's right. But He won't let you live messed up. He will come to you and say, Lord Ken, let's sort that out. Yeah. Yeah. As your Father in heaven, I want to lovingly discipline you. Amen. Amen. Please stand on that, people. Don't back off from that because yeah. the authority of that, when you understand that, it rises up in you, yeah. but be humble about it. Mm. Good. Be gentle about it, but be violent in the spirit about it because it's not against people. It's against the unseen realm. That's what it's against. Yeah. We love people because right. our, f- our fight is not against flesh and blood against principality as well You're with me. Yeah. So that's the first thing you have. The second thing you have authority to do, this is where I need you to go to your Bible because this is very key. I want you to go to Matthew 16. We'll do that in six minutes. So <laughs> Pray. yeah, this is going to be a miracle to finish this one. But anyway, <laughs> Matthew 16, I've got to take a little time the last one we'll do it in two minutes because this is very key to understand. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Matthew 16, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man in? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, what do, who do you say I am? Some in peace answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, this rock of revelation of who I am, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of Hades will not overcome it, will not overcome it, will not overcome it, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Not to the President of the United States, to you who believe in me. I'm gonna give you the keys. Yeah. You the keys. You five-year-old they got born again, yeah, you got the keys of the kingdom. You just gotta learn how to exercise it as you grow up and mature. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, or whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what is he saying? What's this binding, loosing? I can't just go around and binding and loosing. Then I'm weird. Yeah. I'm weird. Got us overhead quickly. Can you put it up for me, young man, at the back there, please? The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens with the S. Not heaven, heavens. Paul said, I was taken to the third heaven. So there's three heavens. The third heaven is the habitation. I know God is everywhere, but it's, in a sense, the habitation of God. God is enthroned, the angels ministering, where we are seated with Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians, you're seated there. there. You live here, your feet are here, but you're seated there. Okay? Where the will of God is never challenged. You never see angels saying, mm, well, maybe I'm having an off day. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Second heaven. The habitation of Satan, fallen angels, it's just above the atmosphere of this earth. It's a spiritual battleground. It's the kingdoms of the world are controlled from there, where the will of God is always resisted. Always resisted. Always resisted. Then the first heaven is where you and I live. It's habitation of man, the kings of this world, angels serving God, your angels serving where the kingdom of God is within us. So What does all that mean? Very simply, I live here. My earth, my feet on this earth I seen to the natural. But because I'm a born again child of God, I have authority that comes from the third heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. Hello? Because yeah. that's where I'm seated. Ephesians 2 tells me. That's where I'm seated with Christ. And Father wants us to see things from that perspective, not from this perspective. He wants us to see things from that perspective. And then the next scripture will explain it. It's in in the amplified version, if you can put it up, please. That's the best way. I give you the keys, authority of the kingdom. Whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth will already... Already have been bound in heaven, that's the second heaven. Whatever you loose, permit, declare, lawful on earth, will already have been loosed from the third heaven. So you have authority to declare what's in the third heaven here on this earth righteousness, joy, life, resurrection, hope. It's all from the third heaven. And whatever is bugging people on this planet in the first place that comes from the second heaven, anything that's destructive, every work of the evil one that is filtering into this earth, you have authority to go after it. Yeah. To go after it. I love the testimony about the God person that had cancer. Because that is not from God. Amen. So the third heaven came and touched this person that was sick in the first heaven, through God-given authority through the person who went and prayed for them, and the third heaven impacted you on earth and the person got healed. Yeah. You have authority to do that. But do it humbly, graciously, lovingly, yes. servant-heartedly, not arrogantly. Amen. If you can get that in your heart and understand that, when that became a revelation in me, it changed things for me. And I pray because you've got to understand by revelation. For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy, destroy, destroy the work of the evil one. How do we know that's real? When Daniel decided to fast and pray, 21 days, the angel came to him. And when the angel came to me, go reading Daniel 9 and 10, the angel said to Daniel, from the first day you set your heart to humble yourself, I was sent to you from the first day, day one. But I was stopped by the king of Persia. It wasn't a physical king. It was a principality in this. So I had to go back and get some reinforcements. And there was a spiritual battle that raged for 21 days while you were seeking the Lord. And that's the the answer the Lord gave. Mm. What does that tell me? Every time you do this, Mm. you start a spiritual warfare there. And so sometimes you've got to persist in prayer because then the breakthrough is going to come, people. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And the United States president does not have those three God's authority that you have. He does not have the keys of the kingdom in his hand. You do, yeah. you do, you do, you do, every born-again believer, you just got to learn how to exercise it. Okay. Amen. And then the last one is John chapter 20, this is a miracle, three minutes left. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a miracle. <laughs> I hope this is helping and making sense. John chapter 20, Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he comes and appears before them, the doors are locked. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, John 20, 20. disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with him, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What is Jesus saying here? We don't have authority to forgive sin. No church does. No man does. No person does. But what he's saying here, as I'll put it this way, sorry, it's my notes. The way the Greek is with the perfect tense and past tense, it, sends, it gives the sense of a completed past action with continuing results into the present. It is not that Christians or churches have authority of their own to forgive or not to forgive, but rather it is as the church proclaims the gospel of the kingdom... Yeah which includes forgiveness of sins, (coughs) those that believe Jesus will have their sins forgiven. That's what he's saying. I'm giving you authority to declare my kingdom, and those that believe their sins will be forgiven. So you're forgiving their sins. That's what he's saying. And you have authority to declare that. Yes. Hallelujah. So So you have authority to declare who you are. Unashamedly unashamedly. Don't let anybody mess with your mind with that. Let that revelation grow inside you. I encourage you and all that that means. You have authority to declare the kingdom of God here on this earth and deal with the demonic work of the evil one that's been worked out on this earth. That's sickness, poverty, destruction, loss, a stealing of people's relationships, broken relationships, um, uh, bitterness unforgiveness, that's all the work of the evil one. You have authority to begin to work against that and turn that around. And then you have authority to forgive people's sins as you declare the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Their sins will be forgiven. And in a sense, you're saying, receive Jesus, they receive Jesus, their sins are forgiven. You have authority to do that, people. The United States government and president does not have authority to do that. Exercise it lovingly, graciously, humbly. Walk in it every day of your life as best as you know how. And let the kingdom of God come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Amen.